Personally, for me, me, myself, it's as consistent and as stable and as expected as the sun rising every day or as the inability to find a parking spot here on the Upper West Side. Inevitably, I go to a yoga class or a meditation or a sheer class in Torah. Inevitably, I find myself in the middle thinking, are we all just working on ourselves or is there something larger going on? It almost always hits me uh, in yoga classes when I come in late to a class to find that everyone is relaxing in Shavasana in corpse pose and there are no other mats around. And so I step over people on the way to get a mat and I think to myself, wow, what a way to begin a class. And almost always I want to say to the teacher, and for those of you who are yoga teachers here, you know who you are, Maybe the first asana, the first pose in the yoga class should be, get a mat for your friend asana. Those refuges in our lives, and I use that term in a very uh, knowing way that in Buddhism, refuge is a very specific term. To take refuge is to to rest in something, to affirm it in belief. To take refuge is to find a place of spiritual resonance and vibration, be it in that which you say, that which you do, that which you live. And whenever I think of refuge, my mind does rest in this week's Torah portion. Someone this week, a character that many of you know, builds a refuge from the floodwaters of his day. That character, Noah, is a tantalizing figure in Jewish literature. Our tradition has an ambivalence towards him that is spelled out in a number of places. To begin with, the first verse in this week's Torah portion, Eile told us, Noach, Noach, Ish tzadikaya tamimaya bedorasav, Esa Elohim isalech Noach, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Seems to be absolutely, unambiguously, a declaration of Noah's righteousness. Noah is an ish tzaddik. The word tzaddik means righteous. From the word tzaddik, he's a good guy. No doubt about it. No one before him had ever been called a tzaddik. Our last glimpse of this Noah character actually, though, paints a different picture. Fast forward a number of chapters in tomorrow's Parsha, and you will find Noah, after the flood, drinking heavily from a vineyard that he has planted, becoming drunk. He becomes exposed in his tent, and naked and drunk, one of his children looks at him inappropriately and is thereby cursed by Noah, marking the first moment in the story where Noah speaks. The first moment in the story when Noah speaks is when he curses his son, Ham, Canaan. 
this dual nature, the beginning of righteousness and the end in debauchery, shame, is actually, if one would look at that first verse more microscopically, more analytically, as the rabbis of the Talmud and the Midrash do, you'll actually see that dual nature reflected in the first pasuk, in the first verse. Commenting on this verse, the Talmud in Sanhedrin and Midrash Rabbah and others respond, Ele told us Noach, these are the generations of Noach, he was a righteous man bidorosav in his generation. Why does it have to tell us that in his generation that he was a righteous person? Okay, Ingber was a good rabbi on, the, on West 105th Street. <laughs> Why they need to qualify? Eilat told us, Noach, Noach, Ish, Sadiqa, Tamimaya, Bidorosav, Amar, Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan said, Bidorosav, Velo Bidorosacherim. In his generation, he was righteous, but not in other generations. Reish Lakish, his, son, his brother-in-law, Reish Lakish, says, Bidorosav, Kol Shechein, Bidorosacherim. He was, in his generation, righteous, and even more so had he been in other generations, an argument between these two Talmudic figures. But let's understand Rabbi Yochanan, because we really don't have to understand Reish Lakish's position, right? It says in the verse he was righteous. Why was he righteous, everybody? He was a righteous man. He did all kinds of wonderful things. Why does Rabbi Yochanan and later commentators, which we'll get to in a moment, why do they say that Noah wasn't such a savory character, not such a great righteous person? There are two, two, two moments that I want to highlight. There are many, but two I want to highlight tonight. What does Noah say to God when the decree is issued that the world is about to perish? What does Noah say when he's told to make an ark to save himself and his family? What does he say when the rain begins to fall? You got it, nothing. Nothing. Not a word out of Noah. And over and over again, the text will tell us who goes into the ark with him. Lest you be confused. It's Noah, es ishto, es banav, es nishay banav. It's him, his wife, his children, and his children's wives. His family, his nuclear family, everybody is safe. As long as he checked to see that everybody's okay. Everybody here? We're good. And even though in many midrashim, the truth be told, Noah is seen as somebody who was rebuking his community, trying to have them to do tshuva, to return, to correct their ways. In this line of thinking, Rabbi Yochanan's thinking, Noah didn't do enough. Noah was satisfied that it was okay, that I'm okay, as long as I'm okay, I'm all right. Right? Nobody worry about me. What's going to happen with you? It's okay. As long as I'm okay. Oh, women's reproductive issues? Oh, that's not my problem. I'm going to be just fine. Thank you very much. I've got my list of things that I'm checking off as they discuss things. Oh, yeah, sure. Israel, great. Okay, done. Noah doesn't speak for a minute. Noah. I'm going to bring a mabul. I'm going to bring a deluge. I'm going to bring a flood. It's going to be 120 years, as the, the Midrashim say. Do you have a program for including other people? 
Have you done some research? Maybe you should take an ad out in the paper. But no, Noah's okay. After all, his name means comfort. And Noah's comfortable. He's okay. This oversight is remarkably brought down in the Hasidic tradition, notably in the Sefer Kedushas Levi, the Kedushat Levi, the holiness of Levi that we studied this past Wednesday evening, that we study every Wednesday evening in Omek. The Berdichever says, he brings a tradition that Moses, Moses was a reincarnation of Noah. We're not going to get into reincarnation, but just trust me, listen to this interesting moment. He says, for a whole sort of literary reasons, Moses came to fix what Noah couldn't fix. And how did Noah fix it? How did Moses fix it, says the Kedushas Levi? Because at the moment when God said, I'm going to wipe out the entire Jewish people, Moses says, blot me out, wipe me out from your book. If you're not going to let everybody go into, if everybody's not going to be included with me, Moses, I'm not interested in a whole nation of Moseses. That's not my grand plan that the whole world will be Moses. I want the entire people, I want my whole family, my whole society, I want my whole culture, I want everybody to come along with me, God. And if that's not your plan, God, mecheni na, you can erase me. The word mecheni, to erase me, says the Berdichever brought down from the Ari, mecheni is meinoach. Mecheni, erase me, is the same letters as the words, the waters of Noah. Erase me, but I won't be Noah. I won't, be, I won't be caught dead moving on when my entire family is left behind. No, not me, says Moshe. And so Rabbi Yochanan, when he says that not such a savory character, Noah, he's alluding to a kind of selfishness, a spiritual narcissism. As long as my practice is okay, I don't have to worry about anybody else. That's not part of my practice necessarily. As long as I have my seat in shul, as long as I have my sidur, then I'm okay. Ah, but somebody next to you doesn't have a sidur? I'm meditating. The second moment. Noah's passivity, his silence, it shrieks. But listen to this midrash. Noah is the paragon of obedience. Everything that God says to Noah to do, the Torah lets us know that Noah did it. God says, build an ark. It says, Vayas Noach. Noah did it. God says, go into the Teva, go into the ark. Noah did it. Now listen to this Midrash, because it blew my socks off. Haya Noach tzarich latzeist min ha-Teva. Ela amma Noach b'rishus ha-Kadosh Baruch Hu nichnasti. Once the waters had abated, Noah should have left the ark, the Midrash says. He should have gone out of the ark. But Noah said to himself, I entered with God's permission when God said, go into the ark. Shall I now leave without permission? The Holy One, blessed be he, said to him, Is it permission then that you are seeking? Very well. Here's your permission. Come out of the ark. Leave the ark. 
Rabbi Yehuda, the son of Eli, said, If I had been there, I would have broken down the ark and taken myself out. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs says very beautifully here, When it comes to rebuilding a shattered world, you don't wait for permission. Noah's in an ark for days on end. He sends out, the text is very clear, he sends out, everybody with me here? We send out a raven and then a dove. The dove comes back with an olive branch and then he sends it out again. It doesn't come back. And he's waiting and waiting and waiting. What are you waiting for, Noah? What are you waiting for? You need permission to go out now and build a world that's been shattered? Are you so passive? Have you forgotten the sacred initiative to build the world, tikkun olam? Have you lost that sense of what it is that you have been enjoying to do? These two frames of Noah, I would argue, are very powerful for us on many levels. If we're waiting for someone to give us permission to build our shattered world, we shouldn't wait. If we're waiting for permission to make a difference, we have no right. And if we're waiting for someone else to do the spiritual work of inclusion, then really are we doing spiritual work? It's a really good question, no? I wonder it sometimes as we build this community and we build Romamu outward and outward, I wonder to myself frequently, I love that people come to Romamu to sing and to connect with God. And I wonder and I worry sometimes that they don't have enough of a chance to invite others into an ark that they're building. I try to think to myself, are there ways that we can each of us build an ark for each other? If it's making sure that we're at the door to welcome somebody, even if we've only been here for the third time. If it's welcoming somebody for Shabbat or inviting them home for a Shabbat meal. If it's taking three sidurim for yourself and giving one to somebody else. If it's going to a social action committee and trying to make a difference in bringing about less hunger and more nourishment in the world. We each and every one of us are the children of Abraham, not Noah. We're the children of the one who argued with God, who rose to speak on behalf of those who had no one to speak for them, and who ultimately had a tent that was so wide open everyone could rest in it. I want to bless you, and I hope you bless me back. May we have the courage to refuse passivity when the time has come to act. May we be open to hear the voice from within that says, leave now and rebuild. Leave now and replant. Leave now and renew. The time has come for each of us to build a world anew. I'm going to say amen.